0: Hello, this is Sydney Moon, and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Cole, and I am going to be continuing my classic
1: Universal Monster Movie series with the, a uh, little bit of change in tone, The Invisible Man.
2: This is Randy, and I will be continuing my Thanksgiving Traditions series with the National Dog Show.
3: And this is Beth, and I will be talking about fall Hallmark style.
2: Very fun. We've had a few holiday happenings for the week before we get into our topics. One is last week I told you that I bathed my jack-o'-lanterns, two of my jack-o'-lanterns, in a Clorox bath and you know, pulled them out, and the results were basically that the inside was bleached white and it was kind of impervious for a while to mold. Even though the temperatures got up pretty warm this week, it, it, it held out pretty well until I think the, maybe the fifth day, it started one of them, not both of them, but one of them started to mold. So I actually created another Clorox bath for them, put them back in to see if that would kill the mold or stop the mold. After the one, hours. Yeah, you leave them in it for 24 hours, and then I brought the one out, and it looked better, so I kept it out, but the other one still had some mold in it, so I left it another 24 hours, or almost, and brought it out. And it still had mold on it. Like, it didn't, like, make it go away. Uh, But we'll see how it does this last week before Halloween when we're recording. We are recording the week and before Halloween. So, I think it definitely has helped. They are not wilty at all. They haven't, like, dehydrated at all. And it has
3: gotten pretty warm.
2: And it's gotten pretty warm.
3: Normally, they would have been sinking in.
2: The the one thing I will say is that after I looked it up uh, and did it, I found... Out that a lot of people said, "Oh, you shouldn't use Clorox because you can't throw the pumpkins in the woods for the animals to, to eat decompose yeah. because it's got Clorox in it." So you should use this other method, which basically uses vinegar. So next year, I'm going to try the more healthy to yeah. nature approach, <laughs> yeah, eco-friendly approach with vinegar, and we'll let you know how that goes as well. The other holiday happening is that our leaves, fall leaves, are peaking right now. So they're absolutely gorgeous outside everywhere you go. So they've been beautiful. But with fall leaves and the peak comes fall leaf peepers. (laughs) Yes. What we call people that enter towns with beautiful places to see leaves, uh, to peep at the leaves.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It sounds funny and cute, but if there's a mass of them and there are tons of people come through our town because we are here by Skyline Drive, there are a lot of people
2: yeah, the front end of town in the morning wasn't bad. That's pretty close to one of the exits. But it sounds like Cole was out and about in the afternoon, and that was a little worse. Yeah, where it was
1: definitely, like, we have a couple of shopping centers, and they were
2: packed. Interesting. Yeah.
0: And I noticed uh, when I went out in the afternoon, there, there seemed to be a, a surprising number of people on the back roads. When I was talking to my hairdresser, she said that, due to all like new map apps that more people have been going
3: on the back roads yeah they so know they're finding the yeah. back roads the
2: ways ways is the one we always use ways will take you around the traffic by going through back roads
3: yeah but then that creates traffic on the back roads right. right so all of the locals right. that are trying to go on the back roads <laughs> and avoid the traffic now have new traffic
4: right right yes. so
3: yep yeah.
2: And I know we saw a lot of beautiful scenery. Beth and I went up uh, with the Andersons, who we uh, have talked about before. We interviewed them on their fall and Christmas seasonal yeah, activities. That's right. Today, recording day is Eric's birthday. So yesterday, that's right. happy birthday, Eric! Yesterday we went to Bluemont Vineyard, which is near the Great Country Farms that we've talked about a couple times. In fact, it's owned by the same family. We actually got to go up to the stables, which is. One layer below the main house, because the main house you have to get reservations, they're very limited.
3: The main winery yeah. area, yeah. So,
2: but the the stables isn't like our crappy old stables. No, <laughs> it's not. It's a not. beautiful building.
3: I really wasn't understanding what it was, and I kind of thought it was like stables, but it's just the name they call it.
2: Yes, it's just a beautiful building that has like a little courtyard area that overlooks the valley. Right. The scenery, and it was and just gorgeous. And a beautiful gorgeous.
3: stone wall yeah. and social distancing.
2: So yeah, it was easy to social distance. They, you know, they sold like wine and drinks inside the building, and like little, what um, light fare, some right, yeah, little bit of food. And you know, it's
3: a lot of people are going up there when we we were ordering the picnic basket, and which is a baguette and olive oil and um, some meat, salami and things, and cheeses, and they were out of cheese.
4: How disappointing
3: use. is that? He goes, but we can give you, you know, a couple different kinds of meat. It was like, okay, I guess. like <laughs> <Next laughs> we want something, so right. yeah. We settled for it. But
2: But the temperature was nice. It was rainy in the mornings and humid. Fortunately, all that went away. Yes. And it became nicer in the evening.
3: Well, and we were up a little bit, elevated more. Yeah. So it was a uh, it was lovely.
2: Yep. It was very fun. So that was a beautiful right. view up there as well as this, the drive it there.
0: is yeah now you had to bring your own chairs correct
2: for the stables you had to bring your own chair they now, had
3: some but they were used
2: yeah they it. did have some chairs that you could you know if somebody left basically you could grab but we grabbed our own now when you reserve up at the main winery they have tables up there right inside and outside you reserve
3: a table yeah okay. yeah.
2: yeah so really nice winery yeah some uh, people
3: brought blankets yeah. Chairs
2: Stone walls Some people just sat on the stone wall
3: Yeah And it was I was thinking about that later It's like you know It would have been nicer if they didn't Because people were trying to look out over the sure. stone wall To the valley yeah. But you know Whatever People were doing their thing yeah. Right
2: And then We've mentioned before Even more so this weekend The Christmas flood of decorations And prepping for the ongoing black friday sales is hitting the stores pretty hard now and pushing aside the poor little halloween and <laughs> fall things that <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> thanksgiving things yeah. yes that get... their
3: little moment yeah, that's right they have an Christmas aisle or two <laughs> now
2: did you want to say anything about that said
0: just that yeah same thing i mean it's just interesting but it's also said i know we talked about this previously that um you know, the, the sooner they push aside the other holidays, the sooner they'll push aside Christmas before Christmas ends. And that's always sad. Yeah, just it's just sad. ridiculous. But yeah, I just, I got a Christmas card yesterday. I just went ahead and got one. And um, You purchased one, you mean? Yeah, yeah. at Target. Because they have all their Christmas cards. Not all of them, I think, but a lot of their Christmas cards out now. And I've started my Christmas shopping as well. So yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to more Black Friday sales. Yes.
2: Yeah, there's some online ones coming up soon that we're looking forward to, mm-hmm. and another big thing actually happened to Cole shortly after our podcast last right. weekend.
4: Yeah. Um, so, in the context of how you're describing it, you're making it sound a little more fun than it actually was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got back from Florida and was not feeling well for a while, and it turns out that I mono.
2: Where where?
4: yeah'
1: mono is not a fun. fun. Time. No. Uh, another reason why I'm calling into the podcast here.
3: That's right. Oh, actually,
1: I go as far as to say the reason I'm <laughs> yeah. calling into the podcast here. Yes. The one and only.
2: Yeah, mononucleosis oh, is very contagious, so you can stay Just where you're contagious.
4: at. Yeah. So
1: I am I'm staying where I'm at for now. Good thing is that all oh, fever has broken at this point, so I should be on the, the way to
0: seeing you guys in person again, hopefully, uh, in a week or two here. And getting mono, I mean, that was, such, that's such a random thing.
1: Right, right, and they, um, they came back, because I went to Urgent Care to, you know, have it dealt with, and they came back and they said, you know, you don't have any COVID or anything like that, so that was good to hear, but yeah. it's
3: that like, was it'd a be nice great to
1: not have mono either.
3: It was a nice byproduct of the taking data, the blood, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: I'm continuing my series on the Universal Monster movies, and partially because of the mono and partially just because of how things worked out, uh, that series is getting pushed a little bit into our Thanksgiving time, but today is, like I mentioned, a little bit of a switch in tone with the Invisible Man. The other two that I talked about before, Dracula and Frankenstein, were very clearly, for one thing, monsters. They were not people. Maybe you could make an argument, Frankenstein, but uh, still very clearly uh, kind of a a big...
2: He was a collection of people, right? (laughs) Right. Which (laughs)
3: created the monster. Um, But the difference between
1: those and the Invisible Man is that the Invisible Man is not a monster in the conventional sense of being a monster. He is a mad scientist who... Through science (laughs) mumbo-jumbo, and chemicals, he says, yes, I finally found the right combination of chemicals. I'd like to know what that combination was. I know. Was able to turn all of his kind of body, not his clothes, but his, you know, immediate body, invisible. For how long? Uh, The entire length of the movie.
3: Oh, so indefinitely, okay.
1: Yes, so indefinitely, and that's a somewhat problematic
4: uh element of the movie for him. Ooh, I bet.
1: <laughs> so the movie opens up with him or rather with a stranger his face swathed in bandages and eyes obscured by dark goggles taking a room at an English village inn in Sussex. He demands to be left alone. eventually the innkeeper sends his wife to evict the stranger after he's made a huge mess in his room and has not paid the rent but a huge mess when you walk in it's full of like beakers and research equipment that he kind of pulled out of nowhere (laughs) he won't leave and is confronted by a policeman and some local villagers where he removes his bandages and goggles revealing that he's invisible And laughing maniacally, he takes off all of his clothes, making himself
4: completely undetectable. Now, I want to say, this
1: movie is made in 1933, Mm -hmm. and the effects are,
2: like, impeccable. Really?
3: That's impressive. They are.
1: They hold up. It's some of the best old effects that I've seen hold up, and... A lot of it was them having to cut him out frame by frame, manually, but the scenes where he's unwinding, and that's the thing, is that we take all this,
4: like, the ability to do these effects for granted now, but when he's
1: unwinding the bandages and there's just nothing underneath, I imagine that would have been, you know, all of these movies were kind of scary back in the day. You know, we don't think of them as big. But I imagine that that would have been a very chilling sight to
4: see
2: for people. Yeah, especially somebody who's mean and invisible. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or crazy and Uh, invisible. He he is.
1: And that's one of the differences. Dracula is charming, uh, but kind of evil by nature. Frankenstein is,
2: his brain was, like a criminal's brain was put in... He was naive but not mean spirited. Yeah, I was going to say he's almost childlike. But Dr. Jack Griffin, the invisible man, is very mean spirited <laughs> in the way he does everything. He's kind of reveling in people's fear as he makes himself completely invisible
1: and drives off his tormentors, throws people around, throws things into people, and kind of just runs around tormenting people in the countryside. So he discovered the secret of invisibility with a series of tests involving a drug called Monocaine. His fiance, there's a fiance in this one too, uh, just like the Frankenstein movie. It comes distraught over his long absence again, similar to the Frankenstein movie. But the fiance and Dr. Griffin's other assistant, Dr. Kemp, search his empty laboratory, only finding a single note in the cupboard, which is a list of the chemicals. Uh, which are all extremely dangerous. It does note that some of these chemicals were injected into a dog in Germany, which was then driven to
3: insanity. But not invisible. Not invisible. That's showing that the drugs were that dangerous. That if the dog was normal to begin with, it it ended up insane.
1: Right. So this is this is where it starts to get a little. I guess different than the other two, where Griffin is trying to escape from the inn and police
4: surround it, like with their arms out to try to keep him from getting away. (laughs) So funny. It was funny until after securing
1: his books, he attacks and kills one of the officers. Not so funny. So his assistant, Kent, uh, he calls and he trusts with kind of information and confides in him. But Kemp actually goes to the police to try to help them catch Griffin, the invisible man. But Griffin, of course, discovers this, Kemp's betrayal, and promises Kemp that at 10 o'clock the next night, he will murder him. Griffin then escapes and goes on a somewhat... Marauding And killing spree
3: Apart from what He already has done Right So far All he's now, done Is killed a Police officer Right And thrown people right. around Yeah
1: So but. he causes The derailment Of a train oh, Which okay. caused it To derail Off a cliff Resulting in 100 deaths That's
0: quite a body count.
1: There's a, a Search party out For him To try to locate him <laughs> A search party
0: For an invisible man That's hilarious <laughs> Yeah <laughs>
1: But he does grab two of the volunteers and throws them off of a cliff. This is when you need wow.
0: bloodhounds. That's a good point.
1: The chief detective finally decides to use Kemp as bait, feeling that Griffin will try to fulfill his promise to murder him, and devises several clever traps. At Kemp's insistence, the police disguise him as a police-uniformed officer and let him drive away from his house. Griffin, however, is hiding in the back seat of the car... <laughs>
0: bummer yeah yep he overpowers Kemp and ties him to the front
1: seat then sends the car down a steep hill over a cliff where it explodes on impact i'm sensing a
0: pattern here (laughs) yeah yeah
3: the over the cliff pattern yeah
1: griffin seeks shelter from a snowstorm in a barn and when a farmer hears snoring and sees the indent in the hay he notifies the police who surround the building and set fire to the barn. When Griffin comes out, they're able to see his footprints in the snow, and they all open fire on him, mortally wounding him. He's taken to the hospital where, on his deathbed, he admits to his fiance that he meddled in things that men should leave alone, and dies, and his body becomes visible again, slowly. There's a couple of really neat things about this movie, though, and it's all things that you have to consider were 1933. Like, there's a scene where he goes and sits to speak with someone, and they have the butt print (laughs) slowly kind of indented into the chair.
3: That's interesting.
1: (laughs) There's also a scene, they said the hardest scene to shoot in the movie, where he's standing in front of a mirror, and unwinding the cloth from around his head. Yeah. So his reflection is also invisible as he's doing it.
2: That's that pretty is, cool. That yeah. is.
3: And you're right, you have to remember the context of the, the year, right?
1: Right. And the scene, and also, just considering the uh, the snow, I mean, how, how would you think they would do the snow with the footprints? Any guesses? Um, boots.
2: No, because you could see the... You're talking about the snow when you could see the footprints being made.
1: Right, but not him.
2: Yeah, the, right. you could see the indents going down. So you could see the snow...
1: Oh! Um,
2: ...like clean, yeah. and then you see a, like a footprint going down, and then another one going down with no person and there.
0: And there like something under,
1: underneath
2: it. Like something underneath it, maybe? Yes.
1: Yeah, so, you know, the easiest thing to do would probably have been stop motion there. Yeah. Yeah. But what they did was they built a stage... Sit on top of it and had foot sized, uh, essentially little wooden things that they could pull out in sequence. Difficult to explain, but um, essentially the feet were built into the stage
2: and they would pull them out and the snow would go down with them. Oh, right? okay, yeah. And mm-hmm. that would
3: create the indent. So, beneath
1: the
2: stage, the shape and it would indent. make.
3: Yes.
1: Right, so you would have to... And this is back when everything was done on stages in Hollywood. So they would have to have people Mm -hmm. time it out.
3: Right, because you'd have to time the footprints to a man's walking. Right. Yes.
1: Even if you're not a huge fan of monster movies, per se, there are some very groundbreaking effects in this movie that, if I was in the 1930s, uh, might have blown my mind.
2: Yeah. And in the general sense of... Horror films would have scared the bejeebers out of you. Yeah.
1: Right. Exactly. Especially with someone who was as clearly mean-spirited as Dr. Griffin was. Exactly. There was, unlike, and I think that was a big thing, unlike Dracula and Frankenstein's monster, he didn't need to go on a killing spree.
3: Right. He yeah. chose to.
1: He chose to. Yeah. And it was also a much higher body count Yeah. than either of the previous movies with his train and Various volunteers that you just see being uh, tossed asunder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is again based on a like Frankenstein, based on an early science fiction novel, just being the eighteen ninety seven Invisible Man novel written by the famous H. G. Wells.
3: Oh, okay.
1: Yep, like I said, definitely. If you're into some classic spook, or if you're just a fan of classic movies, effects, or you want to get appreciation for
4: some of the early groundbreaking uh, technology of filmmaking, go check out
1: The Invisible Man.
3: Did this movie stay true to the book?
1: So the story and characters' names are largely the same as the novel. There are a few big differences. In the novel, Griffin is actually more mean-spirited because he has basically no friends and family, And remains A extremely mysterious figure Throughout the entire novel Motivated entirely By his lust for power And that's something that I didn't mention but Throughout the movie He kind of will shake his fist and say I want men to kneel before me Okay So power is a huge motivation for him
3: Interesting But he didn't have a fiance And No Stuff in the,
2: and it was you know, hard I mean, to see him shaking his fist too. So, <laughs> right.
1: well, I mean, this would be when he was wrapped. <laughs> oh,
2: okay. Uh, but, um, what,
0: or
1: he's glad to go. Because at first, it starts with him wanting his peers, but then progressively, it's more and more people, more and more power that he
2: wants. As presumably, he's getting away with more and more things. Right.
3: Interesting. Well, thanks, Cole. That's very interesting information. Yeah.
2: Thanks, Cole, for your continuing. Um,
3: monster series monster
2: series that's right our ongoing ongoing series ongoing mission something (laughs) a lot less scary and much more cute and fluffy is one of our Thanksgiving Day traditions last week I talked about the fact that on Thanksgiving morning we wake up and we watch the
3: Macy's Day Parade
2: every year and the parade's changing a little bit this year but still going to happen it's going to be virtual I did find out this week that Santa Claus will actually will not actually be sitting in Macy's this year because of the crowds and the lines yeah that makes sense yeah because you don't want all those kids you know together sharing things (laughs) and their parents right but immediately after the Macy's Day Parade on Thanksgiving morning we have another tradition and that's watching the dog show that's right the national dog show It's the most wonderful time of the year for dog lovers. It is.
3: It's really cute.
2: Before the turkey and the football, we can watch the National Dog Show after the Macy's Day Parade. And this is a wonderful time to uh, see all your favorite breeds and get to vote personally and as a family who you think the winner is. Now, one of the interesting things about the dog show, it's actually recorded the weekend before. Oh. And they have to do all these secrecy agreements to not let out who wins Prior to the TV show coming out.
3: Oh, wow.
2: Yeah. So that's, I thought that was kind of a little interesting tidbit of information there. It
3: is. Which makes sense because then those people don't have to be at a dog show on Thanksgiving Day. Right. I just kind of <laughs> wondered about that.
2: The genius behind the show is that people love dogs, they love to own them. There are 90 million pet dogs in the United States. Wow. And people love to shop for them. Yes. Owners will spend $59 billion each year on food vet care, toys, outfits, and uh, dog birthdays. And they love to watch them on Thanksgiving Day at the National Dog Show, which is the highest rated canine contest in the country, trouncing both the Puppy Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday and the Westminster Dog Show in February. John Hurley, who's one of the hosts, calls it the happiest day of the year. I've always said I'm a better person with a dog in my lap. They just have an infectious influence on our lives. You see it in this room. Everyone is happy today. So the show is actually the brainchild of John Miller, the president of programming for NBC Sports back in 2002. So John Miller saw Christopher Guest's movie, Best in Show, which is a comedy about a fictitious dog show. John, a lifelong dog lover, thought a real dog show could work on television if the time slot was right say a family holiday he convinced Purina to sponsor one and contacted the oldest dog show in the country the kennel club of philadelphia which first exhibited dogs at the 1876 centennial exposition miller went to his bosses who were dubious that a dog show could be called sports or even good television but reruns of it's a wonderful life after the macy's day parade had lousy ratings so miller got the green light to have those two hours But only for that year You know what Jeff Zucker said Who was then John Miller's boss It can't do worse Let's give it a shot it can't. <laughs>
4: there you go. They
2: renamed the, sh- the show The National Dog Show And it first aired in November of 2002 Miller prayed it would match the ratings Of It's a Wonderful Life At about a million viewers He was at the movies the next morning When Zucker, his boss, called Did you see the numbers for your dog show? More than 18 million people had watched oh, holy
4: crap. bigger ratings
2: than most primetime hits.
3: Wow. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. And it proves again, dogs are big business. Yeah. yeah.
2: From the beginning, it had two co hosts David Frey, an internationally recognized expert on purebred dogs and father of the therapy dog movement, oh. and John O'Hurley, best known for playing Jay Peterman on Seinfeld. Quite the pairing. The two are close friends and they're rock stars at the dog shows, constantly being stopped for selfies in person or pictures with their cardboard cutouts at the events. That's
4: so funny. (laughs) Oh my goodness.
2: The National Dogs Show is always held in the Philadelphia area. It's hosted by the Kennel Club of Philadelphia and sanctioned by the American Kennel Club. As I mentioned, it dates all the way back to 1876 at the Centennial Exposition And a version of the National Dog Show has been held annually since the early 1900s, taking a break only for the Great Depression. So the National Dog Show is one of just six benched dog shows in the United States, which means participating dogs must be present at the show and accessible to the public for the entire time unless they are competing, exercising, or being groomed. Unbenched shows, by contrast, only require the dogs to be present when their breed Or other round is being judged. So yes, that means that if you snag tickets to the National Dog Show, which are actually pretty cheap, you can actually go backstage to meet the dogs.
3: Oh, that's interesting.
2: But make sure you ask before you touch, because a show dog's grooming process is often elaborate and very time-consuming. Can you imagine a standard poodle, for instance, can take up to three hours just for shampoo and blow-dry, not to mention making sure that the shape of the fur is correct. So can you imagine ruffling... The top of the, <laughs> oh the, top of the yes. poodle. So a fun fact, while the style of the traditional poodle is purely decorative, it used to be functional. Poodles served as German water retrievers and the poofs of hair kept their joints and organs warm in the water while the rest of their fur was shaved to help them stay afloat. Hmm. Even the little puff on the tail was useful as a rudder.
4: So interesting. (laughs) Isn't
2: it? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was funny. The National Dog Show is just one of countless canine competitions in the United States. One of the best known ones is the Westminster Dog Show held in Madison Square Garden, and it's been around since the late 19th century, and even shared a host for a while with the National Dog Show, David Fry. The largest dog show in the world is Crufts in Birmingham, England, and is considered the pinnacle of doggy achievement. So the National Dog Show divides more than 2,000 participants into seven groups. Terrier, Toy, Sporting, Working, Hound, Herding, and Non-Sporting. For those of us that watch this every Thanksgiving, these all sound very familiar. Yep. Yep. Each dog breed is judged individually. The winner from each breed participates in the group round. And the top dog from each group goes on to compete for the Vaunted Best in Show Award. So what do the judges look for? They ask questions like, is this dog able to perform the job the breed was originally bred to do? Does this dog have all the physical characteristics typical of their breed? How fit is the dog? Do they have the correct gait? And lastly, the judges study the expression on the dog's face and general demeanor. Judges look for happy dogs that enjoy competing in the show.
3: I'm glad to hear that.
2: One of the fun things about watching the show is you learn a lot about breeds, the purebreds, that you would never have heard about. Like in 2013, we learned about the pincher which means monkey-like terrier. <laughs> and, uh, and then there's all these hounds like the the Vislas and the hounds, Portuguese Pendengo Pequenos. I'm probably killing these probably. names, right? Um, the Odile, uh, which is a comander. Like it's just cr- these crazy names, and it's fun to hear... The two co-hosts talk about the names and kind of where they come from yeah, they and, yeah. and kind of the history of what they were bred to do yeah. along the way. So It's very le- informative. Yeah, you learn a lot as you um, as you watch it. And it has this genteel atmosphere. But, as with any competition, dog shows bring out rivalries, the potential for huge upsets, and occasional scandals. In 2015, for example, a prize-winning Irish setter named Jagger died after the Croft show, and the owner oh. discovered poison in his stomach, <gasps> leading to accusations of murder by a competitor. Oh,
3: my oh, goodness. That's oh, poor so
2: Now, the interesting thing is it can cost between twenty-seven dollars to $30,000 for a campaign. They call it a campaign where basically you're taking, you're picking your dog that you want to go through the show to go the whole way through the show, wow. like all the different shows and steps along the way. So twenty-seven dollars to $30,000. It can cost about five thousand dollars just to buy a purebred dog that could eventually show. So how much do you think at the National Dog Show the top prize amount is?
3: That's what I was wondering if it was worth it. <laughs> I'm gonna say fifty thousand.
2: Fifteen hundred dollars. That's one thousand five hundred dollars.
3: So they're doing it for dish- the
2: top prize.
3: Because they love the Well, and for the prestige, I'm guessing.
2: Well, what you can earn money from is, one, if you get a commercial deal, like an advertising deal. But but also... Stud fees. Stud fees is where you make the money. What's stud
3: fees? People will pay to have them be the fathers of the puppies. Like, they will have purebred females that they want um, impregnated by a winner. Uh Uh-huh. And then the fees can get really high. Interesting. Yeah. Huh.
2: So, what do you think the top... Single breed that has won best in breed, best in show, I should say, has won best in show the most of all the different breeds.
3: Uh, The Beagle.
0: Oh, Beagle is a good guess. What's the target dog? Like, what's that dog? (laughs) Okay, (laughs) hold
2: on a second. Let me give you the, 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 we're talking about the seven groups. Okay. Which group has won? So it's Terrier, Toy, Sporting, Working, Hound, Herding, and Non-Sporting. Which one do you think has won the most?
3: Terrier, Hound.
2: What do you think, Cole? You repeat them again. Yep, terrier, toy, sporting, working, working is like boxers and great danes. Hound, herding, herding like sheep dogs and collies. Non-sporting.
1: You know what? I'm mom with a beagle. I'm going
2: to take a guess of the exact dog. So people say Yorkshire, but I'm going
3: to say bulldog. Okay.
2: Well, it's the terrier group. They've won <laughs> by far more than three times. The next group, in Best in Show, yeah, <laughs> and the sporting group, which is like the retrievers and pointers, are second, but a far, far distant second.
3: So if you really want to win, go get a terrier or something. Yeah, yep. I
0: remember um a number of years that like the Scotty dog or other terriers. Like I just remember
3: them winning because I remember being happy that they won. <laughs> Did yep. it say which one? Do you have which one won the most? Like
2: the oldest dog to win Best in Show was a Sussex. Spaniel, at 10 years of age. Okay. The youngest dog to win was a rough collie and nine months old. Wow. One dog, a smooth fox terrier, won best in show three times. Wow. That's the most. Six other dogs have won twice, and males win um, twice as often as females.
3: Okay, so they're both male and female Dogs yes, both they and,
2: and the okay. judge separately till until the end. So, a, f- a few quiz questions for you: see if you um, were paying attention. Which body runs the most famous dog show in the United States? The American Kennel Club, the Dog Schools of America, Dog Breeds International.
3: American Kennel Club. Yeah. Kennel
2: Club. Yep, it's the Kennel Club. The Empire State Building celebrates the Westminster Show by projecting yellow and purple lights on the building. Isn't that funny? How do they judge the dogs at the dog show? One, each dog is compared to the other. Two, each one is compared to the ideal in its breed. Three, each dog is judged on its own merit. Three.
0: Two. I mean, two. two. two.
2: That's what I mean. That's right. Each dog is compared to the ideal breed. They're never compared to each other. What is meant by the dog's attitude? The dog's manner, the dog's mood, the dog's relationship to the owner.
0: Manner. Manner. Yep,
2: manner. That's right. Since when has the Westminster Dog Show taken place? 1847, 1877, 1907.
3: 1877.
2: Correct, 1877. In 1884, the American Count Club took over from the Westminster Count Club as the organizer. Which traits are hounds known for? Their uncanny hearing and exceeding loyalty? Their strength and energetic personalities? Their excellent sense of smell and amazing endurance. Three. three. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Cole. I cut you off <laughs> there. But it's basically their smell and endurance.
3: Yep. And probably barking. barking. <laughs> you had that in there. Yes. I have a friend that had a beagle, and that beagle barked like nothing else. Well, we oh, had everything. Bass and Mix, and he barked a lot. He too. did, yeah.
2: Another question. One task in obedience trials requires the dog to follow the handler's hand signals. What is not allowed here? Signaling with both hands. Any verbal cues. Repeating any signal.
3: It's just one of those? Yep. Verbal.
0: Repeating. I say
1: also repeating.
2: Verbal. No yes. verbal cues are allowed. But you can repeat.
0: I think, it. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Which breed has won the most Westminster Dog Show titles? Which breed? Wire-haired fox terrier. Dachshund. Alaskan Malamute. Alaskan Alaskan Alamute. <laughs> <laughs> Alaskan Alamode. <Alaskan>. <laughs> What'd you say, Cole?
1: I said the Alaskan Big Poof Dog. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> the, the
2: Alaskan?
1: Malamute. Uh, I'm going to say the wire hair. I'm going
0: to say the Fox, whatever the first
3: one wire was.
2: hair Fox Terrier. Two for that. What do you think, Beth?
3: What was the second one? The Dachshund. Fox and, uh, uh, hey, Dad, what was that third one again? <laughs> <laughs> the Alaskan Malamute. Um, It's probably the Wire-Haired Fox
2: Terrier. Yeah, the Wire-Haired Fox Terrier has won the dog show 14 times.
3: That's hilarious.
2: Next closest breed is the Scotty Dog, the Scottish <gasps> Terrier, eight times. I remember times. that. Yes. Scotty we had dogs.
3: a little Scotty Dog. Mm-hmm. I thought
2: this was funny. When dog shows first started in the 1800s, what did they consist of? Men telling stories about their dogs... Judging dog personalities or agility trials? i say
0: agility,
2: right? Yeah, that's what I guess. What do you think, Cole? I kind of want to say they're just telling stories. That's right. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> it consisted of <laughs> men telling stories about their dogs. That's,
3: that's <laughs> probably why they went to agility. <laughs> the first dog show was held in
2: 1859 and it was all about <laughs> my dog can do this. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Is it true or false that the Westminster Dog Show is older than the Kentucky Derby? Uh, true. true. Do you think, Cole? Um, no, I'm going to say false. It's false. The okay. Westminster Dog Show took place on May 8, 1877, which was two years after the Kentucky Derby, which started on May fifteenth, eighteen 1875. Okay. Yes, yeah, so lots of good, fun information about the Dog Show. We we always learn, because they always like throw in... Um, interesting information they about the dogs they, the
3: commentators when right. they're telling us about different dog breeds and, and training
2: them and it's yeah. always fun to watch their little personalities yeah. and, uh, and they'll
3: talk about that too yeah yeah, yeah. and they, they make it humorous
0: and you can tell that they just love the dogs yes. and in fact sometimes they have commercials with the co-hosts with their dogs yes with
2: yeah. their own personal yeah. dogs Yeah, which is so cute which is very cute yeah mm-hmm. it's a two-hour show yeah Right after the uh, parade. So uh, we always enjoy it as part of our Thanksgiving Day tradition.
3: Another tradition that we really enjoy are the Hallmark movies. We do. We (laughs) love them. And we forgot
2: that in the holiday happenings that this weekend, last night for Hallmark, Friday night for Lifetime, they started their Hallmark Christmas movies. That's
3: right. So the 24th, Saturday, October 24th.
2: For the Hallmark movies. For the
3: Hallmark movies. So... We have always enjoyed, as a lot of people, the Christmas countdown. But one of the things that we've also gotten excited about is Hallmark's Fall Harvest movies. And this is the series of fall movies that have that same feel-good, boy-meets-girl... Formula. Formula, yeah. And they come together, there's some kind of... Problem that they have to overcome together. and
2: Usually a non-Earth-shattering problem.
3: Yes, definitely. Yeah. And then they save the candy shop. Or... The festival. The festival. festival the Forest. fall festival. Yeah. Or... An old tree. <laughs> I remember that one. Whatever needs to be saved. Whatever it needs. So I was thinking about that, and it's like, when did the fall harvest movies begin? Because we really enjoy them, but they're definitely not as, you know yes thank you our cat is I was
1: saying, I was to say, i'm not there but i can hear someone else talking she
3: is just talking up a storm she loves the fall harvest movies yes she has fall
2: colors as right. a cat and
3: she is named autumn exactly <laughs> right. yes. she's a tortoiseshell black with uh cream and orange all over her she's beautiful and talkative um yes Anyway, she often actually sits with us as we watch these movies. (laughs)
2: She does. She has a lot to say about these movies.
3: (laughs) So, the Fall Harvest movies began in October of 2015. In 2015, they had three. Now, you might say, oh, I've seen Fall Hallmark movies before then. Yes, you may have, that's probably true, but the fall harvest series in particular started occurring in October of 2015, and there were three that year. The next year, 2016, there were four, in 2017, there were six, 2018, there were six, and you might think, oh, okay, so now they're doing six, but 2019, there were three, 2020 now coming up is, well, it just actually occurred, it finished up, is five. So, we can't see a rhyme or reason for why the different numbers, and they haven't increased like the Hallmark Christmas movies, right? They just seem to increase in number. Yes. But in 2020, there were five, and they went from September 19th to October 17th, and just one a week, every Saturday night. Now, um, looking back at that again, 2015, as I said, it was a three-movie series, and it got between two and two and a half million viewers that year. And all are available in DVD, if you would like that. In 2016, very similar. 2.1 to 2.3 million viewers. Four in a series. All available on DVD. In 2017, they had 2.5 to 2.7 million viewers. So a slight increase. Six movies. All available except one on DVD. And I'm intrigued. Why? Why not that one? In 2018... Again, very similar, 2.1 to 2.7 million viewers, six out there, all available except two on DVD. Why? I don't know. If you find out, um, let us know. And in 2019, it went down a little, actually, from 1.8 to 2.1 million viewers. There are only three in the series and they're all available on DVD. And we're up to five, I don't know, the 2020 statistics. But some of the things that you can count on in these movies, are things like drinking apple cider, apple picking, roasting marshmallows, hiking, bonfires, pumpkin picking, visiting a farm, or maybe it even exists on a farm, the the plot line exists on a farm, being in the country, a fall festival, pumpkin bread, apple pies, pumpkin pies, muffins. Cookies.
4: Um, yeah.
2: Hey, hey mazes.
3: Hey, hey mazes.
2: <laughs> corn, corn mazes.
3: Adorable fall outfits. Oh my and, goodness! And then awesome fall decorations. So cute. So many scarves and boots and sweaters. Oh my goodness! So fun. And then
2: the fall movies is often a dog. Oh,
3: there yes. is yes. So some of these things you can do. Randy had a bucket list of fall things to do. You can do them. And see what happens. Yeah. If you're single, see if you find somebody and fall in love in the fall, you know, in the fall harvest awesomeness tradition of Hallmark.
2: If you're single, you shouldn't fall in love if you're not single. (laughs) But we often talk about the Great Country Farms and how it is set up like the perfect Hallmark festival. Mm -hmm. Except it happens, you know, like off the fall does it not one day right and people dressed up like you know they want it to be cool so they dress up like <laughs> cool even though it's not always whether fake. it is
3: or not those cute sweater right. scarves and boots come out
2: today it's in the 40s out a little bit rainy but i bet um lots of people are dressed up nicely in their fall best right their fall finest for festivals but it it can knock off i don't know 20 things off your list so
3: many <laughs> so many Things raking leaves, jumping in leaves although you don't do that at great country farms Mm -hmm. but this is other things that you see there something that I was thinking is one of the things that Hallmark does really well is the kindness aspect, so they're kind to neighbors, and they're helpful to neighbors, and that's something to remember too, that's something that we can do throughout the fall just remember that yes, it's all about scarves and sweaters and boots, hey, I'm right there with you but it also can be about being kind to neighbors or taking them muffins or pies or whatever that may be. Doing what? Being kind to
1: neighbors. From my side, it sounded like being kind to neighbors, taking their muffins or
3: pies. <laughs> <laughs> I said taking them muffins or pies. I'm not taking no, yeah. their muffins or
2: pies. I it on the and Wait, like, where did
4: no, my no pie go? No no bear comes by and takes it, <laughs>
2: takes it. The other thing I was thinking was, it, these shows often show the power of coming together as a community. Yes. And how you could do things together that you couldn't do separately.
3: That's right. That's right. Yeah. So this is a little precursor. And then as soon as the fall harvest movies are over, usually toward the end of October, then starts your Christmas countdown. Before and that,
4: Halloween. <laughs> yes.
3: And that is a lot more than three to six movies and it's more than once a week clearly and there's a whole slew of them so that's, i'm excited to talk more about the hallmark christmas countdown another time and i will say like anything that you do especially this year just keep in mind
0: um covid safety precautions that's yeah exactly right. so everything's so different this year it's a little yeah.
3: sad mm-hmm.
2: although you can get cute fall themed masks to go with your cute fall you outfit. Yeah.
3: I have this adorable orange plaid mask. Really mm-hmm. cute. I mean, there's
0: definitely things that you can do. So don't, you know, don't feel like you have to, you well, can't necessarily do everything right. this fall. But um, just do it in a uh, safe
3: way. Yeah, yep. exactly.
0: So like if you're making things for people, do it with the mask on, maybe
3: gloves and take it right, indi- yeah. ind-
0: individually wrapped Kind of packages. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's
3: a really good point, Sydney. Putting them in individually wrapped packages or um, containers you don't need back. Right. Right? Exactly. Disposable containers.
2: Our future festivities are for the week of November 9th. November 9th is Chaos Never Dies Day. November 10th is National Forget Me Not Day. November 11th, Veterans Day. November 12th, National Chicken Soup for the Soul Day. November 13th, Sadie Hawkins Day. November 14th, Pickle Day for Eric Anderson, who loves pickles.
3: That's right. Our birthday boy. He loves his pickles.
2: (laughs) November 15th, Clean Out Your Refrigerator Day. And that's in preparation for Thanksgiving.
4: (laughs) That's true. That's true. As always,
2: you can follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Holiday Underscore Moons. On Instagram, we are at Holiday Moons, one word. And we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Um, You can find us by searching Holiday Moons in the search bar. And you can contact us at any time by emailing holidaymoons at gmail dot com.
0: So for Sydney,
2: Randy,
3: and Beth, Happy
4: Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving!